things is much less strange than our reality. Everything is better on TV. I'd like to vote for Selena Meyer. Right off the bat, in the first minute, they mentioned that the president is a Nazi. <laughs> Boy, there's a, <laughs> from the Emmys last night. There's a great editorial I read over the weekend pointing out that these freaking morons you're like calling Nazis and comparing to the National Socialist Party of, of uh, Germany in the 30s. You, why would you give them that much credit? Oh, the whole thing is just so dumb. But uh, anywho, so the Emmys last were last night. I got to ask this question before we get into any of the other stuff. All righty, because I would like to know this since it won the Emmy for the best dang show out there. What is the Handmaid's Tale or whatever that is? Uh, Can you give me the, a very brief version of what the hell that is? Yeah, Handmaid's Tale. It's about a kind of it's it's very dystopian. It's about a a kind of fundamentalist government that doesn't treat women very well. And it it's with a country struggling to recover from birth weight rates. It kind of puts the the few fertile hmm. women that are left kind of in this sexual servitude role. Sounds like a pretty good idea. And it a, was a Margaret Atwood novel yeah. in the eighties or something. It's terrifying novel. And uh, at the dawn of the Trump presidency, while all the Hitler talk was going around, people were also bringing up the novel like crazy. And and suddenly it was a smash hit again because obviously we were heading straight toward a totalitarian state. So the novel and the TV show gotcha. became a cause celeb among those who believed we were heading toward totalitarianism. Okay, gotcha. No, I'm not saying it's not a good piece of art, because I don't know. I haven't read the book. I haven't seen but the show. So, so there's a possibility that some of the voting for it was standing up or letting people be aware of the awful times they live in. So there's a chance of that. In was, the same way, it's a possibility that I eat when I'm hungry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a possibility. It was certainly a big part of kind of the, the cultural promotional buzz it had when it first launched with the gotcha. timing of when Trump first took over. And, gotcha. yeah, yeah. Every article I read about the Emmys last night in which I tried to find out what any of these shows were about mentioned something about Donald Trump. It was impossible to talk about any of the TV shows without mentioning Trump. Veep, Handmaid's Tale, any of these shows. The various shows with all the diversity in it, with the black people in it or whatever. In Trump's Trump's America, it's especially nice, that blank. I mean, so it was all related to Donald Trump. Not the way I see the world. Maybe you do. I don't know. I read the review, part of the review, until I just wanted to puke and/or seek out the uh, critic and and fight him. I read part of the review of the Foo Fighters' new album. I think it was in the Wapo. It referenced in Trump's troubled America, the Foo Fighters. Blah blah. I was like, seriously, seriously. You think that's what Dave Grohl is thinking with his his long brown hair hanging his face as he plays his wacky Gibson guitar? The troubled Trumps. God, can we stop? So the moment. God, do you think of Trump when you're having sex? Do you think of Trump when you're going to the party? Is 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 that a commentary on Trump when you poop? God, everybody's obsessed. So the uh, the moment in the Emmys that got most attention was a surprise moment nobody saw coming. It was this. Is there anyone who could say? How big the audience is. Sean, do you know? (laughs) This will be the largest audience to witness an Emmys, period. Both in person and around the world. Wow, that really soothes my fragile ego. 
And then, as it said, that's Sean Spicer who rolled out his podium, and uh, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah, it was funny. the uh, The reaction of the crowd was uh, was hilarious, as people were just uh, in shock that some of the uh, the the people involved in turning us into uh, Nazi Germany right. were, were right there in front of them. Exactly, one of the Nazis. <laughs> But uh, so I've read the read the New York Times uh, uh, review of how that all went down. Not everyone was happy with Sean Spicer's appearance. And then it showed some tweets from average people around the country as if we should care what average people think about all the things all the time. But uh, a lot of how dare you Emmys normalizing the Trump administration in that sort of tone. All right. Of it is a little weird. I got to admit, it's a little weird. So, so the joke is, it's not. It's not weird that the Emmys made this joke because they're beating up on Trump all night long. It's a little weird that Sean Spicer goes out and makes a joke about the fact that he said it was a giant crowd, even though the, the photos showed different. The doctored photos. <laughs> so, that's yeah. just that, that's that's a the little fact, strange. Yeah, that he participated in it as the guy who was making those claims angrily. Right, and it's not even a year ago. <laughs> That is a little odd. It's like he was a contestant on Big Brother or something. Right. And now he's mocking his his controversial hot tub scene. Right. Yeah, exactly. What? Yeah. You were the press spokesman for the president of the United States. Everything is a reality show now. People think think you were a liar on behalf of an evil president. I'm talking for the Emmys crowd. Sure. And you come out and confirm it. Play along with that. Yeah. That is just an interesting thing to do. This whole treating of ex-White House staffers like they are somehow the person who was kidnapped in a basement for a decade and now they're free, <laughs> or they're somehow finally breaking out of a, an abusive relationship is very strange to me. And, well, that, yeah. that's, it's, it's not strange to me that the anti-Trump crowd wants to put that on them. Right. It's strange to me that they go along with it. That's just odd. Of course, there has never been a moment of Sean Spicer's career since I first became aware of him, which was with everybody else in uh, you know in January, I guess, or maybe during the transition. But there has never been a single thing he did I didn't think, what the hell was he thinking? <laughs> that has pretty much been my reaction to everything he does. It, the, uh, the angry claims about the inaugural crowd, that was just odd. The, the yelling at the arguing, the, the changing is then then getting hung out to dry by uh, Trump on a couple of occasions every single moment. What the hell is he thinking? Uh, I would read his book, which, judging by his appearance last night, will be out next week. If he's honest, you know, I'd like an honest. Uh... Didn't he pick up some gig at Harvard or something, too, I was reading about? Yeah, no, that was yeah. Chelsea Manning. Oh, no, yeah. Spicer, too? Yeah. Harvard will hire anybody these days. Yeah. I ought to apply. They I could use a change of scenes. Both at the same time. How about we, in our remaining minute here, play uh, which one? And They're all more or less the same. Play Colbert 3 there to give you a flavor. If you didn't watch the Emmys last night, a flavor of what the whole show was about. And we all know the Emmys mean a lot to Donald Trump because he was nominated multiple times for Celebrity Apprentice, but he never won. Why didn't you give him an Emmy? I tell you this, if he had won an Emmy... I bet he wouldn't have run for president. So in a way, this is all your fault. Why, why, I thought you people loved morally compromised anti-heroes. You like Walter White. He's just Walter much wider. So that was the smugness of it. That was the flavor. But as he did say at one point, he said, where do I find the bravery to make these jokes in front of this crowd? You know, um, yeah, which is I appreciated true. that. <laughs> 
Uh. It's, it's, it's interesting to me as an observer of the world that um, they have thrown off the sh- just the shackles, I guess, they felt like. The shackles of we need to try to appeal to everyone. We're just going to discount half the country. Right. A full half the United States. We're just going to say, we know you're not going to watch. We're going to insult you. Aggressively, right. And it's not uh, even ignoring it. So I'm going after them. We'll get enough of the other half to make it a ratings win. And, and that's okay. Because that's, that's what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I wish them well. Um, on a different topic. So we're building a giant compound in Afghanistan, way bigger than we've had before, because the whole thing has been a failure for the last 16 years. Oh, that's editorializing. And uh, it's going to be really expensive. And um, and so... Well, and it's cl- a clear indication we're there for decades. Oh, yeah. Some of the details of it are amazing. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Supreme Court's going to take a look at that so we can lay the groundwork of that case for you. Harry Den Cake is in the dessert. Uh, one quick note: I see the New York Times review of the Emmy broadcast last night. A lot of uh, of you are weighing in, by the way, with the I I can never watch that crap. I don't know why you do. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Uh, here's your New York Times headline: The Emmys figured out how to handle Trump. References to the president were plentiful and pointed, but contained. Our critic writes: If you if you're, you're if that's your politics, right? Exactly. And I didn't vote for the guy. I just found it just tiresome. Um, also, oh, I, oh, one more Emmy's note. I'm sorry, I got to do this. Hey, Hispanic people, are you listening now? Hollywood is racist against you. The TV people hate Hispanic people. Black people are the only people who count for diversity. No Hispanic award winners last night. None. They like black people more than you. Now that I've pitted you all against each other, let's proceed. Diversity only meant black people. How many people choose a television program or like it more because of the uh, there's a diversity in the cast? Is that very many people that uh, think about that when they're watching a TV show? Uh, depends what you mean. I mean, if I either if, like it or I don't, the story's good, the acting's good. I I, I think know. if you're a young black person, you never see black faces on TV. It'd start to weird you out after a while. <clears throat> if you know what I mean. I don't think specifically diversity in the cast has much impact on it, but I could certainly see, and I believe the ratings demographics would lead you to believe that a story about a Mexican family would have more Mexican viewers. Well, that yeah, sort of thing. That doesn't surprise but, me. But in terms of You're actually, not going to get that story because they don't like you Mexican people. <laughs> oh, and my kids opened up a bar in our house over the weekend, so I'll have to talk about that later. Really? Is <laughs> yeah. it like a theme or what? Because I'm looking for a new place. Uh, loud music. Cool. Uh, there was a guest list. Oh, that's Which important. Which, luckily, my oh. name was on. Oh, oh man, oh, oh. Velvet Rope, huh? <laughs> Dancing. Wow. Yeah. They had games for the kids. <laughs> nice. Um, Some guy in an extra medium t-shirt checking IDs at the door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you might remember, a couple of months back, we talked about this, didn't get much attention because we don't pay much attention to what's going on in Afghanistan, where we've been at war for 16 years. Watching the Vietnam thing last night, Ken Burns thing. We were at war in Vietnam without it ever being declared a war for thirty years. I think we. I think we're going to end up topping that. I'll bet we end up topping that. Yeah, yeah. So we only got fourteen to go. Um, a, a few months back, there was a, a truck bomb that blew up most of the German embassy and killed one hundred and fifty people, which is a lot of people in one truck bomb. It would have been a hell of a lot more if they hadn't gotten tipped off by uh, a couple of days before and gotten most of the people out of there. 
Wow. But it would have been a lot more than 150 people dead. That's a hell of a story, but they still had 150 people hanging around to get dead. Yeah. Well, because they probably get bomb threats all the time. And you... Right. So it was just reasonable caution turned out to be true this time. I get it. And by the way, part of that story was that truck went through numerous checkpoints before it got into the so-called secured central part of Kabul. Um, uh, so there, there are plenty of people in the, in the security apparatus that either can get paid off or are sympathetic to the Taliban and allowed that truck bomb to go through and blow up the city center. Now, I remember that at the time, but there's like no chance it was just sloppiness, right? It had to be conspiracy? That's what they believe. Okay. Um, so that prompted this idea of building a, a more secure and larger green zone. It never has been a green zone like the one we had in Iraq and Baghdad, which was just super crazy secure. <laughs> I mean, we just locked down a giant area and there was no way anybody was going to get in it we've we've allowed uh all, we because we run the country we've allowed uh, a lot of people to go in and out and work and traffic and that sort of stuff to a certain extent and they're they're going to crack way down on that hmm. and they're expanding the size of it it's now going to triple i think is the size yeah. it's going to be about two square miles it's going to cost a gazillion dollars to build and the whole point of it is to make it more secure because Kabul is now the most dangerous area of Afghanistan, the place where we are, where we're trying to operate from, where we're trying to prop up a government that can somehow govern the countryside, which will never happen, in my opinion. It is the most dangerous place in Afghanistan. Well, Kabul is the capital. That's the part that's controlled by the government. That's the safe part. And the story in the New York Times opens with the fact that if you're in the American embassy in Kabul, you take a Chinook helicopter ride to the military base in Afghan in uh, Kabul. That military base is less than 100 yards away. The distance from home plate to the short porch at a ball field is the difference from the uh, is the distance from the embassy to the military base and you have to take a helicopter to get there, it's so dangerous. Which and is, that's the safe part of the country. And that's after 16 years right. of being there. Yeah. And um, so everybody is uh, catching on to if you if you build a much bigger secure site that you pay gazillions of dollars for, you're probably planning on being there for a while. Yet uh, we're, we're not having any discussions in Congress or, uh, or on the campaign trails about what we're planning to do there or whether or not we should spend six and a half billion dollars. That's the initial cost. Who knows what it'll well, actually cost. The estimate's time. six and a half. Right. Uh, I would say 15 to 17 based on my history of watching government cost estimates and the reality. Um, so I, th- I think that's a heck of an interesting thing. You know, having watched episode one of the Vietnam uh, documentary last night it it started like everything started with good intentions by smart people and it just keeps creeping along and creeping along and creeping along big difference being we don't have a draft so we're not going to end up in a situation like that but well yeah there's some other pretty significant differences too there's no major there's no functioning militarily significant um you know entity backing our opponents. No, no, I'm not trying to claim, claim it's going to be ever anything like Vietnam, but it's just the idea that we're going to have an uh, just an ongoing conflict 
in this case that nobody pays much attention to. Nobody's telling us what the goal is. You keep telling me what the goal is, but for me, that's yeah. not good enough. I'll talk bet 90% show hosts, of Washington agrees with me. Talk show hosts telling me what the goal is is not the way it's supposed to work. Oh, that's a little hurtful. I prefer to think of myself as an ideal leader. That's not the way it's supposed well, to work. Yeah, We're, we have a permanent giant outpost in a hostile region, so we can keep an eye on it. And keep our opponents in check in that region. That is what we have decided behind the scenes. Without telling people that's what we're going right. to do. Shut up and watch The Handmaid's Tale. We'll get back to you when uh, you know when we need you. So the big thing is where this could all blow up, if you'll pardon the expression, is in uh, 2019 when the next presidential election is coming along. Because if you'll remember, they had a presidential election in Afghanistan in 2014. Now, the only hope, the, I don't think this will ever work. I, 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 I don't think there's a chance this will ever work, that will, that will ever turn Afghanistan into a country that's got a, a, a military that can protect itself and a functioning government. I don't think that will ever happen. Um, they had an election in 2014. Not with that attitude, by the way, it won't. <laughs> They had an election in 2014. Right. It was so corrupt and 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 in full of, in full of problems that that nobody uh, bought it uh, in the country. So we had to step in and we basically announced who the winner was and and uh, take a suck of that. And they've just had to take it. Mm-hmm. So they got another election coming up in 2019. And if we can't make that somehow look like it actually was democracy, like it's somebody the people chose. And, and has the uh, the Afghan people's uh, best interests in, in mind and all that sort of stuff, then the idea of the government functioning is just over. You just got to give up on that. Well, even if it were a perfectly legitimate election, though, you have your urban populations, and Kabul's like 5 million people, and there are a couple other cities of significance where they have kind of a more modern view of life. But you got your urban populations that might value, okay, democracy worked here. I think the will of the people has been expressed, uh, finally. Okay, great, you've satisfied them. But in the vast, untamed countryside, not only do they not care about that question, the idea of, well, now we have a representative democracy, terrifying to them. They've never known it. It's it's a tribal society where it's all about family and tribal alliances. They don't want to... Th- it, would, it would be like if we went to tribal alliances. I would think... I don't know what damn tribe I'm in. How do I feel about the valley over there? I don't know. I've never even been there. It's a complete change of of lifestyle and the way they see authority and the structure of society. So they don't give a damn whether the elections are legitimate. They don't want any elections. But how about... And that's where the Taliban is 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 powerful and, and probably always will be. Well, I'll just read this from the New York Times. The United States may be willing to look past another tainted election, though the last one nearly devolved into factional conflict. But Europe and NATO allies may be another matter. They have repeatedly insisted on clean and credible elections as a condition for their continued support. This might be our last opportunity, said one political analyst. If we cannot solve the political problems by 2019, it may move into ethnic conflict, and everybody else but the United States may abandon the idea. So this election goes as badly as the last one. It could be down to just the United States running the show with a whole with a, a, a number of different civil war type conflicts across the country. And that's that's a long way from where we started. I'll tell you that. Installing a true puppet regime with our weapons. And the New York Times ended with the uh, Taliban saying that you may have heard before an old Afghan saying, "You have the watches, we have the time." I like it. Yeah. Sounds like the uh, sounds like a line in a R and B song. Although the current Afghan president said after Trump announced more troops are going over there, said the Taliban should go buy a watch. Was his re- 
reply. Guess the same. I appreciate the spirit, but I'm not sure what that means. I think I, I still Lost like... in translation. I still like their chances better, the Taliban's chances. So that'll be interesting to see. So if that election goes south, there's a decent chance now it's just the United States. The government thing, forget it. Nobody's even talking about that anymore. All the other allies have pulled out, and it's just us running that play. We're, we're, we're just occupying a country. We're just plain occupying a country, which we uh, decided like 10 years ago or during Iraq. That's just something Americans won't do. That's something you remember. It was well, suggested. Occupying is different from nation building. Occupy, install a puppet regime with our guns. Defend our space, and it's a military base to control the region. Right. Or to exert influence in the region, not control it. You well, can't possibly control it. wasn't very many years ago the idea of military ocu- militarily occupying a country was something you just, you, could, you couldn't make fly in either party. Now we're going to do it. We're clearly going to do it. We're just going to occupy a, a country for years to come, maybe decades to come, without ever having discussed it. Neither party's really for it or against it. It just doesn't even come up. Yeah, well, these, that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. It sure it's sounds like... In, it's like, uh, you know, it was unthinkable uh, 15 years ago, but men would be wearing really short pants. But you see it sometimes. It sure sounds like the way every empire has mm-hmm. ended. Occupying countries on the other side of the world that the population is paying no attention to. Yeah, pretty much. I'm intrigued by that whole back and forth, though. You have the watches, but we have the time. Well, you should get some watches. <laughs> <laughs> You no, need to go I, I buy a watch. You, I think you you missed my point. The point is we don't we we aren't measuring that we have all the time we need. Well, get a watch. <laughs> I, again, again, I'm afraid you're not seeing my point. <laughs> we don't need watches because it doesn't matter how long it takes. Well, you got no watch anyway. I give up. <laughs> <laughs> the lighter side of the back and forth between the Afghani government and the Taliban. Joe Getty, Afghanistan <laughs> Government Theater. What's coming Still up? Still waiting on Miami. <laughs> That's right, we're not on TV. That's going to really hurt my chances. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, Trump aims to shake up the UN starting this morning. Bernie Sanders goes after Hillary Clinton over the weekend, and we got another slice of the Emmys for you coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Tell you what, if you thought, you know, electing Trump was kind of throwing a Molotov cocktail into D.C., throwing Trump into the UN is a badly needed shakeup. That organization is so useless and corrupt, I can't wait to see what he says. Even if it's nutty, that'll be great. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. (laughs) One texture suggested hitting the Taliban with, well, if you've got the time, we've got the beer. (laughs) That's Joe. Nice. Uh, I'm wearing underwear today that the elastic is shot, and they keep oh. sinking down in my pants. Quitters. God. At what You're point, man of means. Yeah, at what point in life do you decide, you know... Is it laundry day or what? What's your excuse? Just I back of the drawer? You just... Yeah, got to throw them away. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's sad. It's sad. I'm a sad man. Donate them to the Smithsonian. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump calling for bold reforms at the U.N. Trump in New York City for the annual fall meetings. And at the meeting on U.N. reforms today, the president said the group must change business as usual. We support your efforts to look across the entire system and to find ways the United Nations can better and be better at development, management, 
peace and security. Now, he argued the U.N. has been stifled by bureaucracy and mismanagement for too long. It's not reaching its full potential. He said the U.S. wants to see a U.N. that focuses on people, not bureaucracy. Well, amen to that. How can you possibly disagree with that? Meaningless debating society. So That's what the UN is. Bloated, huge payrolled bureaucracy where a bunch of furners get to, uh, to kick around New York City at our expense and just they, they get vir- virtually nothing done. Senator Bernie Sanders was responding over the weekend to the criticism in Hillary Clinton's new book that yeah, his attacks. I, I watched that interview. It was pretty good. That his attacks on her during the Democratic primary caused, quote, lasting damage to her campaign. Bernie telling Meet the Press. I worked as hard as I could after endorsing Hillary Clinton. I went all over this country. And I would remind people, you know, people say, well, not everybody who voted for Bernie ended up voting for Hillary. No kidding. That's what happens in politics. If my memory is correct, in 2008, something like 24% of the people who voted for Hillary Clinton in the primaries ended up voting for John McCain. That's the nature of politics. Most people, you know, are not rigidly Democrats or Republicans. They vote where they want. Chuck Todd hit Bernie Sanders with, Hillary Clinton says in her book that the reason she lost is you weren't supportive enough of her. He just said, wow. <laughs> Plus the hog cover price is $27. Yeah, didn't, didn't Bernie take an absolute kicking for going with Hillary sure. after he got eliminated, yeah. encouraging people to vote? Wait, 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 you just said there was a revolution. You were going to be something different. You said she was in Wall Street. So he took it that beaten for that. But she says he didn't go far enough. All right. Has that, She's <laughs> delusional. Has absolutely nothing to do with his policies, but I absolutely love Bernie Sanders as a politician. I, 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 he's, I really I'd enjoy him. I'd love him more him. if he would clear his damn throat. <laughs> he, he's very likable because yeah. he believes what he's saying. Yes. He is not a phony. And I, and I like that. $27! Primetime Emmys last night. Host Stephen Colbert opening the show with some political jabs. There were over 450 original scripted shows made this year. Of course, there's no way anyone could possibly watch that much TV other than the president, who seems to have a lot of time for that sort of thing. Hello, sir. Thank you for joining us. Looking forward to the tweets. You know, should play the joke that got maybe the biggest applause, and it, it made me so, so sad, sangry, sad and angry. So once again, somebody went to the trough of, of course, in the Emmys, the vote, who gets the most votes actually counts. Crowd goes wild. Nobody is making an effort to get rid of the Electoral College. Democrats can, the the Democrats have lost two of the last five presidential elections when they won the popular vote, but ended up not getting the presidency. You would think if it was a bad idea when they controlled the House, the Senate and the presidency, they would have made some movement toward that. But they didn't. You know why? Because it's agreed and has been for a long, long time that it's a better idea than just having the popular vote. Yet you can make that joke uh, joke on a stage and everybody just cheers like crazy. It's just it's playing to the stupidest impulses of America. It's as if the political class is trying to whip us up against each other so we don't notice what they're doing. Is the Democratic hmm. Party trying to change that? No, they aren't because no. they agree it's a good idea. You can still stand on stage and make that joke and everybody goes wild. It's just so disappointing to me. That we're that dumb. Our, our, our Your national, standards are too high. Our national conversation is just dumb. If you go in well, looking for dumb, you won't be disappointed anymore. Well. The problem is in America, sir. The problem is you. 
The show gave out five Emmys each to a pair of female-fronted projects, Hulu's series The Handmaid's Tale and the HBO domestic drama Big Little Lies. Their respective stars Elizabeth Moss and Nicole Kidman won Outstanding Lead Actress prizes, and The Handmaid's Tale was named the best drama series, the first streaming show to win the category. The only... It, it, it seemed awfully affirmative action-y mm-hmm. to me, the whole thing. It was all, if it was sh- a show about women, it was going to win. Yeah. And I like women. I'm a fan of the gender. Um, and, and, and if there was a minority involved, they would win, blah, blah, blah. Which is fine, because none of this matters. <laughs> Not even a little bit. But it, it, it was a little odd how heavy it went in that direction. Big Little Lies. I, I knew I, I had not even heard the title of that show going in, which doesn't prove anything. Right. But Can you tell me what Sean, it's about? Sean, was there any buzz about it? Yeah, yeah. Very, very well done. It had the, the star power buzz with Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon, typically sure, right. you see in, in movies, not TV. So it had that, that And it was like a six, seven chapter limited uh, Yeah, it was the thing. limited run yeah, thing. Okay. It was about seven episodes long. It's a, a murder happens in a, in a kind of affluent Bay Area community. Well, I like it. Um, and it, the... The show I did. Is Spoiler what alert! I did, did it. So I killed him. But you can't have Reese Witherspoon walk out next to Nicole Kidman because Nicole Kidman's six foot tall, yes. and I had to look up oh. Reese Witherspoon's height because I thought uh, she's a dwarf. Yeah, Reese is small. She, she came up to the knees of Nicole Kidman. <laughs> it was weird looking them holding hands. She was holding hands like my kids hold hands with me with her hand up right. in the air. She's five foot tall, so she's a full foot shorter. It just looked weird. Put them a little further apart. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm starting Getty Show, the voice of the West. That's an objection I haven't heard in a lot of places. Well, they had a, they had a bunch of women yeah. together. And I then saw they put them. Those two. Some people are tall and some are short, Jack. <laughs> Why'd they put them side by side? Poor. Write an editorial. Submit it to the New York Times. Walking with her hand up in the air like a five-year-old. <laughs> this is an issue few people have gotten worked up about. Um, what else we got? Oh yeah, uh, kids opened a bar in my house. Let's talk about that. I don't know. Where, I don't even know where they got the idea for this. Do they have a name for it? You know, I, I don't think it does. It. They okay. just call it the bar, okay. which is Shea Goat, which is what I always called it too. Let's go to the bar. The Goat and Dog. I have it like a British name. Jack in the 1950s. Never mind. That's boring. The first Emmy Awards ceremony in 1949 only honored shows produced and aired in the Los Angeles area. The first Emmy for Outstanding Television Personality went to 20-year-old Shirley Dinsdale, a ventriloquist. Those were the days. <laughs> what a ventriloquist? <laughs> How many ventriloquists won last night? None. What's happened to my America? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, so now yeah. all the dummies are CGI. There's no magic. So we got to get to all the stuff that we were talking about. Is cake art? What all these different things coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show? Did you notice all the teeth last night? Holy crap! I mean, everybody got the gleaming paper white teeth. You don't need teeth that white. So. The mainstream media is worried about Trump's first appearance at the U.N. this week. Um, I think the U.N. could use a, a bit of a shakeup, as we were just talking about. As it, uh, Oh, they, my gosh, yes. They do a lot of talking, and uh, how, how much actually gets done. Uh, in, and, and then a tremendous amount of money spent, by the way, also. 
This will be a prepared speech, so wackiness probably a little less. On the other hand, uh, a sincere effort to shake something up, I think there will be plenty of it. Showing up with a... Again, I think that's fine. You don't have to be pro-Trump to think the U.N. is a bloated, ineffectual colossus. Showing up with a tiny footprint compared to what we usually do, too. Usually show up with tons of people, and Trump and Tillerson decided not to do that. You know, I feel like calling... Somebody a bloated, ineffectual colossus is a little pot calling the kettle black in my, in my case. Well, I, how? I feel a little bad about that. Please welcome Stephen Nelson of the Washington Examiner. Uh, Stephen, how are you, sir? Great. Thank you for having me. So the president going to speak at the U.N., do we have any clue uh, what is on his mind? Well, he actually did just speak at a U.N. meeting. Uh, this is a bit of a warm-up. He's speaking at a, uh, a U.N. reform meeting. And when you talk about the U.N. being bloated and in need of reform, uh, President Trump actually has uh, been aligning himself with the new U.N. Secretary General, who has been saying something similar. Oh, good. Uh, So uh, President Trump uh, gave a bit of a warm up to tomorrow today. Uh, He was talking about how the U.N. needs to focus on uh, people rather than on process and how it needs to reduce its bureaucracy and mismanagement and set clear goals and metrics for evaluating success. So uh, this is uh, this is Trump, uh, of course, trying to uh, get some reforms adopted. Uh, he's criticized the U.N. in the past as essentially a social club, uh, but now he's in a position to uh, do something about it, and the United States has cajoled uh, about 120 other countries into signing on to reform principles. So uh, perhaps this is actually going to happen. Imagine if uh, the United States government started focusing on results and not bureaucracy, people and not processes. I mean, that'd be great. This is the Trump I think people love. We've got several of the, a couple of the worst genocides going on in many, many years in the world that are occurring right now today. Also, we have one of the worst famines in a century going on. Is there going to be a lot of talk about that at the U.N.? Uh, Of course, uh, at uh, a lot of the focus is going to be on North Korea just because of how high profile and how high stakes their uh, nuclear weapon program is. Uh, of course, President Trump is going to touch on other world crises and civil wars and issues. Um, I, I, I haven't you know, read I, – I, I don't have a, a direct line into President Trump's speechwriting office, but I, I imagine that he will be hitting on all of the major world issues and, of course – uh, Iran and North Korea are going to be among the top ones. Right, but he's going in as a, a reformer, which is good. And what's the name of the uh, the Secretary General these days? I've kind of lost track. Uh, it's Antonio uh, Guterres, uh, and he is from Portugal. And as, as I mentioned, he is, uh, he's been speaking as a reformer himself. Uh, so President Trump has an ally in him and has been seeking to align himself. His introductory uh, remarks today, he uh, he told the new U.N. Secretary General, uh, you've been fantastic, and that uh, his predecessors are the ones to blame. So I, I imagine that we're, we're expecting more talk like that. There you go. Stephen Nelson, Washington Examiner, uh, Trump going to the U.N. In fact, he's already there. Thanks, Stephen. Good to talk to you. All right. Thank you. Yep. Uh, that's good. Glad to hear that. Wasn't the point of the U.N. to, to keep things like the genocide that's currently happening in various parts of the world uh from occurring and feed the famine stricken exactly yeah i just wonder if they're going to get around to that i have no idea i don't know their peacekeepers are probably too busy raping local women to uh, get a lot of work done in that area yeah which has happened oh yeah brutal got it it's just (laughs) too much perspective you know the bureaucracy might be 
the crocodile of human organizations. I mean, it's lasted for hundreds of millions of years. You can't kill it. It's the cockroach. It's the white shark. It will be here a million years after we're gone. The bureaucracy. The description of what needs to happen with the UN is exactly like every government program. It ceases being about the people it's meant to serve and becomes about itself. NFL players took a further step toward uh, politics in the games and um, got some empty stadiums across the league and ratings down, so that's a problem. Also, I've got 26 famous people in their favorite scents and candles. I actually have. Say again? (laughs) You heard it. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.